Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with another edition of DC and Hawani. Yes, our second to last one of 2020. And my, oh my, coming off Saturday night, UFC 256. We got a lot to talk about. We also got some breaking news. Yo Romero's head at the Bellator. Maybe we'll even talk about my beloved Buffalo Bills. Probably not because DC's a hater. Anyway, I can't wait to get to it all. But first, I do want to let you know about one of my favorite podcasts here at ESPN. It's called the Hoop Collective Podcast, and it's hosted by my guy, Wendy, a.k.a. Brian Windhorst. He's one of the best NBA reporters on the planet. And rumor is that Wendy and his guests just dropped an episode where they previewed the stacked Eastern Conference. They'll probably be talking about my New York Knicks and that unbelievable rookie, Obi Toppin. I mean, did you see his debut on Friday? Woo-wee! He's going to be great. Anyway, I'm going to tune in later. I suggest you do so as well. If you want, download and subscribe to the Hoop Collective Podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, on to today's program, which may contain some language that's not suitable for all audiences, so listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone, DC and Helwani. I'm in USADA right now taking tests for fun. I what? got tested yesterday. Why? in retirement, I'm still cleaning the John Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to take tests for the rest of my life. Here's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this third week of December 2020. <laughs> Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC, Daniel Cormier. I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani. And Daniel, I just want to take this time to welcome you back to your own show. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's hey, how you refer well, to it, right? On- well, absolutely. Because there are times where I hear you say, I have a show. But you have multiple. I have a show on Mondays. And I'm like, wait a minute. Am I not a part of this thing? I mean. You should have said Maybe it's hard our show. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard for me to focus. Can I be honest? What's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, this brown sweater, bro. What? This what? brown sweater. I mean, it's getting worse. What? Look at this brown sweater, this man. Number? You I mean, what? What? When what? you popped on the screen, I said, "Oh my goodness, it's got bro. This is Burberry." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not one Blue to brag. Is this Louis Vuitton or Burberry? What is this? This is Burberry. You see the little. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's the season. Tell me. I mean, you can't say anything about this, right? This is top notch. Oh my gosh. Look at how you look. I mean, every week you get get dressed, you can put on a costume Mm -hmm. to try to look smart. I mean, look at, oh, look at you, waving your pencil in between your fingers. I mean, you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. You're no one has ever looked smarter talking good. about cage fighting than this guy right over here. You know I mean, that, right? I mean, I'm just trying to class up this joint this a little bit. Get up, you got on, man. This is crazy. Look well, I'm glad you up. like it. I'm glad you like it. Uh, thank you for all the uh, the compliments last week. Uh, of course, fifth night of cashmere. Hanukkah. It's just uh, a beautiful cashmere sweater. I mean, this is legit cashmere. So I, I I know it's a very important time. It's a very busy day as far as holidays are concerned, DC. Uh, fifth night of Hanukkah. I, I presume you and your family have been lighting yes, the candles. Hey, happy Hanukkah, Samia. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? You like that? You like that? You like that? You like yes, that? That was good. That's not bad. That's close enough. How do you say it? How do you say it? Chag Sameach. 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 Not only. Sameach. There you go. There you go. There you you're, go. Like, you're, you're like a brother. That means happy Hanukkah. 
Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, not only is it the fifth night of Hanukkah, DC, and as you know, instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights. So it's a party over here in the Hawani household. Also today, big day, National Bouyabez Day. What is it? What is that? What is Bouyabez? You guys don't have Bouyabez? Gravy? Is it gravy? No, like, no, like the, the fish stew. Fish stew. Oh, no. Today's National Bouyabez. Yeah, Bouyabez or Bouyabez? You're saying you're saying it like you wear you're saying that word like you're wearing that sweater. Like only a guy wearing that sweater would say that like that. It's a French stew. Also, uh, I'll get ahead of it. Want to let you know, want to remind you probably know uh, tomorrow's National Wear Your Pearls Day. (laughs) (laughs) So break out the pearls tomorrow. Tell Selena and everyone to break out the pearls. Who has pearls? <laughs> Who has pearls anymore? Who has pearls? Saying, I mean, classy people like people who wear cardigans. Such people as who wear jackets like that. You look like Mr. What is his name? Mr. 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 Rogers. Mr. Rogers. You look or like Mr. Mr. Robinson. You look hey, I'll cool. take that as a compliment. Fred Rogers, a legend. You know who else is a legend? Daniel Cormier. Yoel Romero, the soldier of God. Breaking news around an hour ago, I reported. I don't even know if you know this. We didn't even I talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yoel Romero has officially signed... With Bellator MMA, he will debut as a 205-pounder. Now, we will get your instant reaction to this a little later on in the program, but wanted to get that out there. No, now's not the time. They're telling me, do not talk about this off the top of the show. We need to talk about it. But you guys understand that I am incapable of staying on task. Yeah, if you say something, I mean, how? Monday, Friday, it was, I will we don't explain. want to. I will Today. explain. So, wait, you're going to wait. So, I have to wait. You have to wait around 30 minutes. Why would you so. tell me? They told me to say it at the top. I'm just, oh listen, I'm just a media pawn in this game, as Kyrie Irving said. I just do what I'm told. Let's talk about Romero in a bit. But for now, let's talk about what transpired Saturday night in Las Vegas. UFC 256, the final UFC pay-per-view. I mean, the of options the for Romero are crazy yes. at 205 in Bellator. Like, I, mean, could it... I, got, I got more on that for you as well. But really? There's more? you were there. There's... You were one of the lucky souls Wait. in attendance. Saturday night at the Apex oh, in Las okay. Vegas, UFC 256. First, let me just ask you, what was it like to be like, you're witnessing one of the best fights of the year, maybe the best flyweight title fight ever, Davidson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. By now, everyone probably knows they fought to a draw. It was an insane fight. They're just in a phone booth the entire time, just slugging it out. Haymakers. I mean, we've never seen this kind of action out of flyweights in a title fight before with all due respect to the past. What was it like being there? Because you guys kept saying over and over again, it sounds like there's 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people here. It was so weird. It was, I mean, listen, very rarely am I buzzing the day after the fight. I couldn't come off the high. Mm. I could not come down on Sunday. I was like so excited. Like I kept talking to people about what we witnessed because it felt so like different, especially at 125. And it sounded like there were hundreds of people in there, bro. It was so loud. You can hear them through the cans. You can hear the coaches yelling. You can hear the people in the background, the oohs and the ahs. It was insane to watch these two men go to war as they did. It was it was great, man. It was so fun. Davidson Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, both guys walk out of there with their head held high. Nobody lost. And I know this sounds like a theme that's growing as we go forward, we're always like, you know, nobody really lost in that fight. But the reality is no one lost on Saturday night. How do you feel about the draw ultimately? I mean, look, it's a nice little way to end it, right? Because it was so close. But do you feel like it was the right call? Because that's two separate things, right? 
Yeah, well, so here's the thing, right? Davidson Figueroa won the fight, right? Like, if you take everything considered, I'll, you know, the one-point deduction obviously right. made it a, a draw, but he won the fight, right? Now, are so, you saying that based on what the scorecard said or based, based on, on what, what you think? Scorecard say. What do you I, think? I, honestly, I thought, I thought Brandon Moreno won the fight. I mean, you're telling I, me you, I, I, I for a minute there, I, I forgot that Figueroa was even in the fight. You were talking so, about Moreno. So all right, so here's the, Golly. Thing, though, like, here's the thing. Though, if you've been, if, and you're a guy that's watched sports your whole life, right? Yes, yes. When you have a, a team or an athlete that is a massive underdog and they're in a the fight with a, a champion like that or they become the story, right? right. And I'm watching the fight and I'm watching the fight and I'm calling the fight as I see it. And no, I feel like I got heavy. I'm speaking for me personally. On the Brandon Moreno in round three, because I thought he won round three, which ultimately was a deciding factor. I got heavy on round four, which he won clearly. Yeah. Round two was a very close round, Agreed. right? And obviously, when I'm speaking to Moreno in that point, see, I thought he won two, three, and four. That's why I thought he won the fight. If I'm speaking to Moreno in two, three, and four, all of those rounds were extremely close. And as they went into round five, obviously it was two to two. But in round five, I spoke to how Brandon Moreno took his foot off the gas and Davison Figueredo, if this fight was on the table, he went and took it from him. So uh, no knock on the champ. I, I just, the guy the guy that's the challenger and the underdog in a lot of situations become the story. Just the way it is. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Now, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Here's the crazy part. One judge scored the fifth round for Moreno. That's crazy. If that, that doesn't crazy. happen, Figueroa wins this fight regardless of the point. Outright, right? Outright. Right. Isn't that amazing? Crazy. That to me, so the two easiest rounds to score were round one for Figueroa and round five for Figueroa. Now, yes, but but I'll say this. Round four, almost just as easy for Moreno, right? So it really comes down to two and three. There are a lot of people who think Moreno won that fight fair and square. Uh, I scored it first round for Figueroa third round for Figueredo, fifth round for Figueredo, but with the point deduction in the third, Left it becomes 9-9. Nine nine. So I actually agreed from a scoring standpoint with the 47-47. So when you went when you went first, when you went second and fourth for, for Moreno, right? Yeah. This is where we found ourselves in that bit of a spot. Because you're in the third round, you get the low blow. This is such a swing round. Yeah. It can go 9-9, nine nine, but Davison cannot win this round anymore. All he can do is tie, which makes it a very interesting spot. Moreno landed a big overhand right at the end of the third round. And it was a very competitive round. He landed a combination as the round ended. And I was like, oh my goodness, Davison started so well early in this round. But at the end of this round, the tail end, once Moreno got up from the, the, the low kick, he won that portion of that round, mm. the tail end of the round. It would have went from being nine, nine to 10, eight. So now I'm like, man, this dude might be up 29, 27 going into four, which then he won four. That's how I saw it. So I was like, man, he got two rounds in the third, very close second. He could win three rounds, you know, without winning another one. So um, I kind of had him winning the fight. And that's ultimately why I'm happy with the draw. There's no talk of robbery. It mm -mm. sounds, based on what Dana White said afterwards, they're going to run it right back, which is the right thing to do. I, I personally hope they got paid show and win. I hope yeah. they both got what they deserved because that was an incredible fight. And it was just so much fun to watch two guys literally like in the pocket right like when Figueredo, what is it like watching figueredo punch like that because it, oh, it it feels from television like i'm watching a guy like a like a mac truck just hit someone like i've never seen that out of a flyway it's like boom boom the guy has so much power punch being that small because the effect that his punches have on these flyweights we've never seen it before like 
he clubs him, man. He early in the fight, he was almost like dismissive of Brandon Moreno. His hands were so low. Yeah. He's like punching him. But then by the end, he started to pay more attention, right? Because he got hurt in the fourth round. I think it was the fourth way he got hurt with that combination on the edge. I was like, oh my goodness, he hurt him. It was about a 15 second span where we didn't even say a word. We were just like, oh no, oh. And it's like, that's where as a commentator, you have to be a commentator and, and also a fan. Because if you become a fan, then I'm just watching the fight with my friends, right? But you, I have to continue, we got to talk about the fight. But like, in those spots, it's hard. That was such a great fight and easily the greatest five-way fight I've seen of all time. Because look, I love DJ. DJ and Henry Cejudo had a very technical fight. It did not match up to that. No. DJ DJ beating everybody up in the fights prior never amounted to that because he just dominated them all. So how can we even question whether or not that was the greatest flyweight fight of all time? Because one, you had a dominant champ in DJ, hats off to him. And then him and Cejudo was a good fight, but it wasn't nowhere near the explosion that Saturday night was. It was phenomenal, man. And, 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 when, you, and when you talk about Figueroa's power, you also have to give... Moreno credit for taking those shots and, and, and hardly falling at times. I mean, his chin is just out of this world. Can, can I ask you though about the point deduction? Because as you know, it's never clear cut. Like <clears throat> if we're watching football mm -hmm. and, and, and you face mask someone, it's 15 yards. Like there's no warnings. There's no, none of that in this sport. You could kick someone below the belt three times. Like it's not very clear. I think Jason Herzog is one of the best refs in the game. And I applaud him for making that call. That was the right call. Do you agree or disagree? So after the fight in, November, I asked a question that I should have known the answer to. I got to admit, you put me in contact with someone that really told me the rules of judging, how things are done in the fight game. Let me give him credit. Ben Cartilage, tremendous ben Cartilage, judge. Right? Ben Cartilage gave me all this stuff on how they're judging fights, how they're scoring fights, how they're doing all that. As a student, I should know that. What I learned that time and was reaffirmed on Saturday, it's not the amount of time something happens it's the effect that it takes on the fight and a blow like that that was so low and so hard immediately should get a point taken away if there is an action that causes a big it causes the ebbs and flows of the fight to change as that could have done that is a one point deduction it doesn't matter how many times it doesn't matter that was the first time davidson did it it was such a big shot that point was warranted and jason herzog made the right call and how about Moreno coughing on the ground. I mean, it was hard to watch, but then to your point comes back and might've stolen the round in some people's eyes. Did yeah, amazing. And then wins the fourth. He, and that's why I thought he won the fight. Just, yeah. and that's where I thought he won the fight because and maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's skewed because I saw him on the ground coughing for three minutes. He didn't even take the whole five. He came back like he was shot out of a cannon after he got kicked low. But again, everybody, we were almost anticipating Davison Figueredo cardio to start to come back to Brandon Moreno and it never failed him. He was able to push through that. And he fought the fifth round was his best round outside of round number one. So hats off to the champ. Like I, I really hate calling the fights at times because like you said, it might feel like I'm ignoring one guy, but the reality is when you got a Duke versus a freaking university of Louisiana or Arkansas, little rock, and it's a five-point game going down the stretch. You think they're talking much about Duke? They're talking about the, the, the opponent a lot of times. And because it's un, it's it's not supposed to be happening. And what Brandon Moreno was doing showed that he belongs. And he is right up there with the champion, Davidson Figueredo.
Well, look, it's very easy for people on Twitter and whatnot to, to criticize you guys. I'm only uh, talking about you because you're uh, the one that said it just now. You're yeah, the Twitter well, guy. I, but you know what I was tapping into. I was tapping into that. I thought oh, you guys I'm called. It was you. I'm talking to you. I don't care about Twitter. Uh, you just said that you forgot that maybe Davidson was fighting. Yes, because I'm that, doing the that, old little. I'm doing the old little this because I know it will strike a nerve with you. But let me ask you this. Hey. They got to run it back, right? Like, there's no yeah. doubt about this. We're not talking about, with all due respect to Cody, Henry, name yeah. a guy. They have to run this back right away, correct? Something Saturday, Ariel, at the end of the show, and I've never felt so strongly about something. When you have a champion like Davidson Figueredo, a young guy, you kind of need that name. We, we've talked about this, wrestling, right? You yeah. go pin Ric Flair, you become the man. You pin Hulk Hogan. You got to, the guy has to put you over in order to become the man, man. Cody Garbrandt, was that name that Davidson needed to be alongside in order to be truly seen as the star of this division if he won, or maybe he wasn't so good. He doesn't need that anymore. He's the A-side at flyweight, regardless of who's there. And I really believe that. This guy, this young man now, has separated himself in the terms of marketability, in terms of fighting spirit and style, and just being the number one flyweight in the world. So it's like, they don't have to rush to the Garbrandt fight anymore because they don't need that name. They can put those two back together and people will still watch because they know what happened the other day. Worth repeating, both Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno made history on Saturday. Quickest turnaround for a champ, quickest turnaround for a title challenger. Also, first time in 19 years that a champion headlines two shows back to back when you consider where the flyweight division was at the beginning of this year. And then you consider that he missed weight in February and you consider where we are now. And I'm, I'm not going to get into the fighter of the year slash fight of the year stuff. Cause we may have seen both in that fight. We'll save that for a later day. But when you also consider the fact that this guy is now turning into the star that you just said he was. And when you consider the fact that he was in the hospital till 2 AM with That's food poisoning. Great, I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. I wonder what, the rematch will look like if the fact that it was on, you know, this fight was on three weeks notice. He cuts weight twice. Honestly, anytime there's a rematch like that, it, it really heavily favors the champion. Mm, why? That's no knock on Brandon Moreno because this is a great fight, but it was also the circumstances were fantastic for him to find that level of success. Now his toughness won't go anywhere. His toughness won't, he'll still be there. He'll be game. Right. He has that Mexican warriors mentality. You know, I spoke to that on, on Saturday night about the guys that he was trying to join as Mexican born champions, but Figueredo will have a full training camp. He won't be three weeks off. He won't be two weight cuts back to back. He won't be in the hospital all night long because of those things. So it, it, it will favor him not only because of the physical effects that this, this situation may have taken, but also the idea that he gets to go out and train for him full time and, and get prepared, but it still won't be easy. Dare I say, Davis and Figueredo lit Brandon Moreno up like a piñata, but unlike the piñatas that Brandon Moreno's family... got to hit back. Hey, well, I'm telling you, I'm, they didn't so break. I, he didn't I mean, break. I on Moreno today that I... I mean, I, I know you guys are like, oh, DC, you love Brandon Moreno. But, bro, I'm telling you, I mean, if I, if you squinted hard enough, he reminded you of all the great Mexican oh, yeah. muscles, not giving up on themselves, constantly digging to the body. I mean, he was like... Bro, beautiful. when he was throwing that... Boom, boom, left body shot, left hook. I was like, oh, my goodness, this dude can box. But look, the God of war, I mean, this dude's the real deal. Figgy, 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 can't you see him? By the way, I almost said it. You almost said it. You stopped short. Listen, a couple times you were teasing me, but, you know, it's almost like 
it's a little subtle nod, right? It's not quite Marvin Vittori calling me out who opened the floodgates, but it's subtle. Maybe it's in 2021, we'll just get a full blown, you know, <laughs> shout out. Maybe, maybe a man can dream. Um, all right, let's talk about the co-main event. All right. We talked about the main, we all want to see the rematch co-main event, just as notable Charles Oliveira defeats Tony Ferguson. You could have made a case that every round was a 10, eight. You could also make a case. You add 10 seconds to the first round, Tony Ferguson, either taps or his arm snaps. I don't know how he survived that, but in the end, Oliver extends his winning streak to eight. Now Ferguson loses two in a row. He doesn't get to tie the Anderson Silva record, Oliveira of eight straight finishes, but hey, who cares? He gets a big win over Tony Ferguson. And so there's two questions I would ask you, and you could pick whichever way you want to go. Was the story from that fight, Oliveira emerging as a real, real player, maybe a guy who we should have been talking about a few months ago, 155, or was the story coming out of that fight the decline of Tony Ferguson? You know, it's it's like... So, yes, like I just spoke about, right, Davison and, and Brandon, the, the challenger becomes the story. Mm. In this one, it closed, you know, the odds weren't very bad. And what we have seen of Tony Ferguson was that um, he has been so competitive for so long. But the reality was there were a lot of changes with Tony Ferguson, right? The corner looked different. Mm-hmm. Um, just the actions. A lot of things looked different about Tony Ferguson last week. And, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say he didn't seem like the same guy and all this other stuff. We had a very interesting fighter call with him on Thursday. He freaked out and he, he was yelling at me. We we argued a little bit, but ultimately wow. we he yelled we, at you. Yeah, we had some back. We 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 have disagreements in terms of coaching philosophy, but ultimately right. Tony and I were amicable as we parted ways because he's a great guy. But the story is Charles Oliveira, and when you look at Charles Oliveira. And you think about how when Habib said he was done, we talked about everybody else and he was just an afterthought. He's no afterthought anymore. In reality is he should be in there. He should be in a title fight because I believe the guy is that good. And he dominated Tony Ferguson and it was not competitive. And it, can, I, can I say something? Even when Tony was winning all those fights, the 12 fight win streak, I feel if you'd have ran into Charles Oliveira with that skill set, Charles would have beat him back then. I don't think it's a, I don't know if it's about Tony being worse or Tony declining. I think Charles Oliveira is just that good. And I think he's finally found the right weight class. And the dude has complete skills. And it's madness. But then, like, when I think about last week's show, right, we talked about a crossroads for Tony Ferguson, Mm. right? And and I saw you got blasted. Why would they say the crossroads? Right. Dude, it was a crossroads fight. And now – Look at where his career seems to be heading, right? Right. No, it's it's a, it's a crazy thing because you have two really interesting stories to come out of it. Number one, Charles, as you just spoke about, 27th UFC fight. This guy's been in the UFC since 2010, right? And like I said, he was on that winning streak. For the longest time, he was having trouble making weight at 145. He would go up to 155 and say, I want to go back down. Everyone's like, why do you want to go back down? You're good at 155. You're really good at 155. You know the record for most fights before getting a UFC title fight is 25, Michael Bisping. So if he gets one, he'll break that record. And I feel like he's really close. By the way, most submissions in UFC history, 14. This guy is really good. And so I'm wondering, like, does he get the winner of McGregor Poirier? Because if we assume Gaethje and Chandler are going to fight, that's cool. But, like, he should be fighting a guy like that. Not All due respect to RDA and stuff, like, I think Oliveira's past those guys at this point. So I'm really okay, curious yeah. to see. Bro, What's up? He just beat the – he just beat the – the perennial number one guy in the weight class. I mean, Tony Ferguson has been the number one ranked fighter at lightweight. You know, he hasn't been the champ, but since 2014, 15, he's mm-hmm. been like number one since th- then. 
And now Charles Oliveira beat him, but he not only beat him, bro, he dominated Tony. I mean, it was never that close. Was never a thought where you thought Tony Ferguson was gonna win this fight. He was beating him in the stand-up, he was dominating him on the ground. When was the last time we saw somebody just grab Ferguson and throw him on the ground oh, and yeah. beat him up like that? I mean, Kevin Lee mounted him, but I mean, but that was a bit of a, a, a moment. And then once that moment was over, Tony was competitive again. This dude just demolished him. And so the, the harsh reality for Tony is this has been coming. This has been brewing for some times. This didn't start with Justin Gaethje. Mm-hmm. Tony takes a lot of damage. Yeah. Tony, Tony's a different kind of cat, right? He doesn't have a structured team. He doesn't have a head coach. He just changed everything. He trains a little differently. He's approaching 37. Like you shouldn't be shocked. 12 fights in a row is a long stretch to go undefeated. But those fights, these aren't Habib 12 fights fight. in a row. These are fights where he was getting bloody, getting beaten, getting taking dropped. damage. Yeah. You know, like the, a lot of people. Remember, remember Lando Venata almost beat him. And, and I'm not trying to do some revisionist history here. All I'm saying is this should have come as a shock. It has nothing to do with him cutting weight twice in three weeks, as some people like to say. It has something to do with at some point you're going to start fighting guys like Gaethje, like Charles Oliveira, and the skills will deteriorate. But it's a sad story because he never got to fight for the undisputed gold. And I don't know if that time is going to happen. Now, could they give it to him? Could he win one fight and they give it to him based on a lifetime achievement? Sure. This sport is different. Not at 155 because there's so many guys ahead of him now. And that's why I said it was a crossroads fight, right? Because now you have Oliveira who just went this way. And unfortunately, Tony Ferguson just went the other way. Well, where does Tony Ferguson even go now? And that's the thing, right? So, like, people talk about some of these older fighters like JDS and those guys, and they're constantly put in there with the best fighters. But – He's Tony Ferguson. You cannot say now Tony Ferguson goes and fights just some random dude. He'll end up fighting a very tough guy again, a Paul Felder, a uh, 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 Dan Hooker. He'll end up in there with another high-level guy that might get him again. And it's like it's very difficult to watch. But the reality is dude took a lot of damage for a long time. And his toughness is what, is what carried him. And honestly, his toughness also allowed him to even stay in the fight on Saturday because most guys would have tapped. And I probably would have told Tony to tap if I was out there. I couldn't even watch it, Ariel. I actually put my head to the ground. Like, I can't see. I can't watch because I figured he would allow him to break his arm before he would ever tap because he's just that tough. He's so tough. By the way, can I just say something? I love the Felder idea for both. Yeah, I mean. Felder Ferguson to me feels like a very fair fight. They're both coming off losses, tough as nails, fan favorites, sort of at the same spot right now. Tony might be going down a little bit, but hey. I love that fight. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's a great, it's a great fight, great matchup, and it would be fun. But, but ultimately, let's talk about Tony because, again, going into the fight, he was the, he was the name, right? He was the, the A side. We cannot lose track of who Charles Oliveira is, man. This dude is the real deal. And honestly, he's a difficult fight for every single one of those four guys that you listed that might be fighting in. Uh, January, Poirier versus uh, McGregor. And at some point, if Gaethje fights uh, Chandler, uh, I think Oliveira matches up great against every single one of them. I agree. Uh, you, you said something earlier that, that I think is spot on. In my opinion, this was probably the card of the year. I have to think about it a little more, but every single fight mattered and every single fight felt like it had a breakout performance and someone that you could really get excited about next year. And there was a bit of a theme, especially on the main card, where you had veterans, unfortunately, you know, not looking great. And, and, 
and us wondering about their future. So let's talk about Jacare and Kevin Holland, because again, here you have a breakout performance from Kevin Holland. The man is the, the UFC's version of Gary Payton circa 1996. He doesn't yeah, shut up. He talks from the moment he walks out to the fight's over, but it's fun. Like I'm not saying that in a bad way. He's very fun. He backs it up and holy smokes. Again, I'm not saying this is the Jacare who fought Luke Rockhold back in 2011, but man, to see him do that to Jacare off his back and punch him like that and to knock him out, there Kevin Holland, 5-0 DC, the third guy in UFC history, modern UFC history to go 5-0 in a calendar year. But here's the part that we don't talk about enough, 5-0 since May. Yes, since seven May. months, bro. He's pretty much fought every month for the last seven months, and he's won and turned in his most impressive performance. You know why it was so impressive? Because he got taken out by Jacare super early. I even mumbled it when I was when Joe said, "Oh, beautiful takedown by Jacare." I go, "That's too early, right?" Because they're dry. You wonder if this guy can keep up with this jujitsu wizard on the ground. Because even as you get older, and you're a guy like Jacare, you might not be able to punch and be as fast, but you can still grapple. You can always grapple. You can always put your stuff on it. You're so familiar on the ground. Kevin Kevin handled that beautifully. The transition, he handled the ground game beautifully. But boy, when he was able to create some distance, he generated so much power, it was madness. You know, Ariel, he literally put up his knee shield with his right leg to get Jacare off of him. Because what you want to do as a top man is you want to pressure guys down, get him flat, back flat on the mat. He pushes Jacare back with his knee shield. And then once the knee shield clears space, he slingshots himself with his right leg down towards the mat. And as he's doing that, he threw that punch. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. Incredible power and athleticism. I mean, what? He slingshotted himself into the punch. It hits Jacare right here, which is the hardest part of your head. Yeah. Dude, most times when you're getting punched, you want to kind of put your head and make him hit this because it hurts. Jacare, and then he Jacare goes over the back of his legs, and then Holland's just over him like boom, boom, yeah. boom. Dude, this dude has all the swag. This dude's in the cage, like, dancing. <laughs> I, I mentioned it on the broadcast. Yeah. I was like, Kevin Holland's got all the swag. Jacare looks like a 41-year-old man trying to keep up with him. Jacare's like, got to dance. He looked like me out there. But, dog, uh, this dude, I like Kevin Holland, and he's the real dude. And everybody likes him. I mean, this whole thing I saw called Big Mouth on the, the preview before the fight. Great. To see where that kid's come and done it his way and still acts the same way. That thing... That turned everybody off before, right? He was always yapping. Is now the thing that people look forward to when he goes to fight because either they love it or they hate the fact that he won't shut up, but nobody's been able to shut him up yet. That's That was a great promo, and, I, and I'm happy that they kept that in there because it, it, it tells the story that he's been doing this for a long time. Last time he fought... It just so happened around a month or a half or so ago. And by the way, this guy just had COVID. Let's not forget. He's he, like, he, he recovered from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. But remember, Izzy was in attendance and everyone was like, Kevin Holland, sit, sit down. down. Now, can I be honest? I would love to see it just for the trash talk. I would rather see Kevin Holland versus Izzy than Izzy versus Jan Bohovic right now, just for the buildup, just for the trash talk. And I think Kevin Holland can actually like he could he could represent he could stay in there with him I, no am i crazy i think he would fight i think kevin holland would fight his tail off now let's not get crazy israel the trash Asanya. talk would be fun nah, it would be the trash talk would be great but do you, i mean this is israel Asanya we're talking about now, I'm not i know, I, know. Beat him. I think down the line as kevin continues to come into his own that's when we need that that hopefully we get to see it but i mean 
the prospects now of who he can. Because think about this. Jacare Souza, in his last fight, fought Jan Bohovic to a split decision. Then he got injured and he was away for a while. But if he hadn't gone up to 205, Jacare would still be ranked at 185. So Kevin Holland would be skyrocketing up the rankings again. Bro, you know what this This dude told me, he was like, I was like, hey, man, you said you wrote something about Joaquin Buckley on your Twitter. He was like, I didn't write that. I don't do my Twitter. He goes, but the reality is I have no problem with it. They know me. He goes, that's my son. I birthed him into the UFC. <laughs> he goes, I love to see my children. He said, he said, I'd love to see my children have success. And he listed every guy that he's beat in the last few months. And he goes, I'm interested to see what this one will turn into. I'm his grandfather. Oh, he's, like, he's, like, yeah. like, he's so crazy. I was like, yo, I'm going to use this. He goes, use it. I don't care. He's like, I said, so when you see him, Buckley doing as well as he goes. Kevin Holland said, I hope that he continues to win because I know if they try to match us up again, it's easy money. He said that. I was like, yo, who says stuff like that? But then when you win fights like he's winning, he can say whatever he wants. I'm all in on it. And how about the fact that he still can't get in the game? Marvin isn't in the game seven days later. Buckley isn't in the, no one's in the game. And you guys put out last week, I saw Alex Perez and Michael Chandler. But look at how fast. Heels. Hey, but it, listen. Guys, guys, I'm going to tell you this. Marvin, Kevin. Marvin is mad. I'm, I'm working on it, Marvin. Marvin. I just want to let you know I'm working on it. Marvin, yeah. Kevin, things are happening behind Alex, the scenes. Alex Perez and Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler has a fun in DC. He gets time. another gift, another thing guys, on a silver platter. It, it's, it's t- it takes time, guys, to build these characters. Uh, Alex Perez just fought for a championship. Um, you know, everybody. Chandler. Every, Chandler hasn't fought for anything in the UFC Michael yet. Michael Chandler is – he's Ric Flair. Michael Chandler is Ric Flair. You put Ric Flair in the game, dog. When Ric Flair got to – when Ric Flair left the WCW for the WWE, what did Vince do? He won the Royal Rumble and you put the title right on him. Mike Chandler is Ric Flair. So as Mike is styling and profiling, turning down fights left and right, big league and everybody, it is it's hilarious. But you put Michael Chandler in the game and those guys are coming soon, hopefully. What a slap in the face to the Kevin Hollins of the world. By the way, if Michael Chandler comes out and wins his debut and says, I say this with a tear in, in my eye. <laughs> this is this the greatest is the moment, greatest moment ever. <laughs> what, what, I mean, what a great promo that was. Anyway, <laughs> the real world champion. Remember that? In my champion. He was the, they wouldn't talk about the belt. They called this was the legitimately, this was the best promo and oh my god where's flair where's flair flair's like in the corner bobby heenan bobby heenan did the greatest call of a, a royal rumble of all time flair wins the title him perfect they're in the back flair's got two <laughs> titles he left for the wcw belt it was the best it was the, that was and still is one of the greatest moments of my history in wrestling i showed and i also showed my kid daniel Ric Flair versus Macho Man when Flair was running around with the pictures oh, with of the Elizabeth. Pictures, yeah, pictures. And Daniel's like, they cheat so much. I hate Ric Flair, Dad. I hate Mr. Perfect. And why is his name Mr. Perfect? Bro, I know I'm going on a tangent, but this was wrestling. This is what you and best. I fell in love with the sport for. 1992. Uh, DC, I have to ask you about JDS. Uh, yes. Obviously lost that fight. Thought you guys were a little tough on him. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be yeah. on. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. A little tough, but the facts are he lost. It was close, yes. but it hit the ear. It was legal. Is yeah, he what? done? Is he done? So, so again, the story is Cyril gone. The story is Cyril gone, man. Right. And it's sad that it's sad because of Junior 
protest. Didn't try to take anything away from him. The guy just got oh, knocked out. No, but still, Ariel, like, I don't like I, that's one of the things that bothers me the most when guys jump up. I wasn't done. But then he's like, they're like staggering all over the ring. It's like, I don't like that. Mm. Also, JDS is all class. Like, okay. let's not make any mistake about it. I think he's a sweet person. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. But the reality is, he got hit with that jab. He actually started to, to evade. I don't want to say run away, but he started to push in his chips a little bit, right? When he started to throw those big shots and he was missing so big, he was he was going all in. He was either going to knock this kid out or he was going to lose to him. And Gon just stayed, stayed the course and, and got the victory. And this guy's important for the heavyweight division. He's, He's legit. Undefeated French. He's the real deal. JDS got hit with a clean shot. That jab about finished him. I mean, he faded to the edge of the octagon and he actually turned away from Cyril Gon. That's why he got elbowed like that. So make Cyril the story. He deserves that. Cyril's the story. He, he He's undefeated. He's, he's really big. He's really strong. By the way, hopefully the UFC gets to go to France in 2021. You'll probably be calling the card. Remember this name when they go to France. They'll go with Surreal Gan, obviously. He should probably be in the main event, but there's a guy named Morgan Charrière who just won the uh, vacant Cage Warriors title, The Last Pirate. Huge social media sensation. He's from France as well. He'll probably be on the card. You tell them on the broadcast that Helwani told you about him first. Now, uh, Mackenzie Dern, Cub Swanson, Rafael Faziv, Gavin Tucker, uh, Tisha Torres, Chase Hooper. I mean, on and on it went. It was a great night, but I do have to get to the ad read here because we have to pay some bills, DC. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. So UFC 256 was one for the books, a great event, maybe the best event of the year. Maybe we saw the breakout fight of the year. Maybe we saw the fighter of the year. Maybe we saw the fight of the year. We saw some comeback fighters like Cub Swanson, Mackenzie Dern having a great 2020 campaign with their new team, Jason Prillo. But DC, let's put that aside right now and let's talk about the breaking news. The soldier of God, Yoel Romero, has agreed to terms with Bellator, right? Last week, we had told you about the fact that he left the UFC. And I said on this show that Bellator and PFL weren't interested. Well, guess what? They weren't interested. And anyone who's tweeting me right now probably saying, oh, you were wrong. Your sources were wrong. You should have listened to this guy or that guy. No, you're wrong. And in fact, if you want to know that I'm right, Scott Coker did an interview with MMA Junkie later in the week and confirmed that I was right, that he wasn't interested. But two interesting things happened, DC, along the way. Number one, Rumble Johnson signed with Bellator, and we will get to him in a second as well. That's a new face at 205. Who saw that coming? And just think about the idea of Rumble Johnson, Yoel Romero going toe-to-toe at 205. And number two, DC, I I, I don't want to, you know, blow smoke, but we got influence in this game. And so there might have been people who sat around watching us talk about how crazy it is that they're not signing you over Merrill and that he's actually still really good at 43. And there might be some people out there that said, you know what? Maybe DC and Hawani are no, right. Let's give we, him a, I'm just going to put I'm, it out. I'm, I'm, no, I believe we do have influence. I I'm do ta- believe. I, I'm ta- both of us. I'm, I'm, I'm giving us like 80% credit for this. You are signing. 
I'm taking my <laughs> maybe 85. I mean, that seems pretty high, but okay, I'll take it. I mean, I've I've taken 50% credit for Fight Island, so it's not like I'm gonna act like uh, I don't I'll, feel, I'll take you know, the, I'm bringing you with me. I could take the 85% by myself. I'm bringing you why? With why would you take it by yourself when I called Scott Coker? Like, yo, you really don't want this guy? You call Scott Coker? I called Scott Coker. I'm like, well, <laughs> can you imagine? I was like, yo, Scott, I mean, you don't want him. Could you imagine Rumble Johnson versus Joel Romero at 205? Like, they're both out there now. You don't want him. So, you know, like, come on, you can't take all the credit. Okay, so what do you think of – okay, wh which one? Which one's bigger in your opinion? Rumble signing, because that came out of nowhere, or Yoel signing? Which is a bigger deal for Bellator? I think they're both massive. I think Rumble because he's on the younger. Fence. I think Rumble because he's younger. That's why. I think Rumble because he's a tad bit younger and – Everybody knows who Rumble is and was. I mean, he's, he's, he's intimidating. What you want is a, a champion that can strike fear into the hearts of people. If he's able to replicate what he was doing in PFL before he went to the UFC at 205, remember when he beat up Andre Arlovsky? Oh, and World Series of Fighting. Was that World Series of Fighting at the time? Sorry. That was heavyweight, by the way. That was heavyweight. Yes. And then coming to 205 at the, at the UFC and doing what he did to Ryan Bader and doing what he did to Phil Davis, and doing what he did to Glover, who looks phenomenal now. If he can replicate that, you got a real prize on your hand in Rumble Johnson. So I think Rumble because he's younger. But now you got a 205-pound division that's insanely viable in the world when you got – bro, listen to this crazy thing. Mm. Rumble, mm. Romero, mm. Anderson, Bader. Mm. And hey, Nemkov? Is his Listen, name Nemkov? Is the other kid Nemkov? Vadim Nemkov is the guy who just beat Ryan Bader. Yeah. Let me throw one out there to the Bellator Brass. 205 Grand Prix with these eight names. Vadim Nemkov, Ryan Bader, Anthony Johnson, Corey Anderson, Yoel Romero, Phil Davis, Leota Machida, and let's throw in the middleweight champ, Gegar Mousasi, who used to fight at 205. I mean, you talk about a tournament. That's a tournament. <laughs> that's a – hey, they're giving a million dollars for these tournaments, right? The featherweight tournament. That's the tournament for Bellator. There's no if ands, or buts about it. That's the tournament. And I say you do it for $2 million. Yeah, why not, Scott? Come on. No, listen. Gage, well, Gegar doesn't want to go up to, two, to 205. Put a little more money up there. I bet he'll go fight. But yes, oh my goodness. Could you imagine those first round matchups? Look, there was a time when we were in Strike Force, and Scott's keen to doing stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we're in Strike Force, and they put all those great heavyweights in that tournament. And it made Strike Force for the moment. Everybody's like, they got the best heavyweights in the world, even though Kane Velasquez was the best heavyweight in the world. You, you know that. Yeah. that. Kane was still the best heavyweight in the world. It wasn't anyone in that tournament, but it gave the idea that in that weight class, we were at least competitive and we had more heavyweights you put those eight guys in the weight class in that tournament it'll give the impression that they're on the same footing as the ufc's 205 pound division especially if john jones or israel adesanya isn't the champion dc this is what look we're not trying to root for anything the sport is better, and anyone who's being honest with you would tell you this, the sport is better when there's a lot of great things going on, right? When it's not yes, just yeah. one organization that's dominating. And to see a division like this, at a time when 205 has felt a little thin, right? 
come well, together. Jones left. If Jones is back at 205, there is no competition. I mean, it's no competition. And the reality is, the last two and the reality is close. And, and the reality is, look, I'm not sitting here for a second saying that division is better than the UFCs because it isn't. But it does give the idea that there is some high level talent outside of the UFC that if you put them together, it makes for a fantastic tournament. There's a conversation to be had, is all I'm saying. And that, that makes it a lot of a fun. better division. There's a conversation to be had, especially with Rumble. We don't know what Rumble is, right? We don't know what Rumble is. But again, we, like Dean Nemkov is really, really good. There's that a guy's good. Yeah, but Dean is insanely good. You can't dismiss it. There's some of it. Like you can't say the uh, the Bellator middleweight division is as good as the UFC. That's crazy. Lightweight, no. But there's no. a conversation to also be had about Romero and Rumble. Like this fight that just kind of came out of nowhere at 205 would be really fun. Remember, Romero started his career at 205, and then uh, he actually got knocked out, moved down to 185, and of course had a legendary run. But I'm really curious to see Romero Rumble. I, you know, I, if they want to put that together, this, this little tournament, Vadim and Corey Anderson, he recently joined and looked good in his debut. This you just leave the, hey, you leave the belt inside the Grand Prix. Like yeah, they, yeah, like they did. The way, you know, what's so amazing about the rumble thing. He's still one of the most feared guys in the sport. Oh, right? like, and you fought him twice, both times as he was surging winning streak, you fight him loses winning streak. You fight him. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I, I don't recall you ever being so confident before two fights there was well, just something- yeah but it was different it was different right i knew anthony from a long time ago too and i kind of had an idea that if i did certain things i can kind of almost like big brother him. so i would i would do it to him all the time like what does that mean big brother how do you big brother rumble johnson ah uh, you know just i can't just, every time i was around him i'll just tell him i was you know gonna beat him up and like just kind of got brother. in here Get in his head, you know, mess with him a lot, you know. Wow. But I've known him since we were, we were he used to coach, he was in junior college when I was at Oklahoma State, right? So he, all, all anybody wanted to do was go to Oklahoma State. So he'd come and work these camps and we would just wrestle and he kind of, the, the guys would take him down and just, you know, it, 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 it was different. You know, I, I felt like I mashed up well with him. <laughs> I love it. I love, you know why I love this? Because I feel like as time will go on, I mean, your last fight was only four months ago, but I feel like as time will go on, you will start to be known as like the cuddly announcer guy. And people will forget this Daniel Cormier. Like you were big, you're just talking about big brothering, one of the most feared strikers and powerful strikers in UFC history. Like it ain't no thing. What was that line you said about Rumble? Like, uh, he quit to Josh Koscheck. He quit. What was that line that you said before the first one? No, nah, I don't remember that. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I just said, I, I just have to Josh Koscheck. What did you say? You know what was, I'm talking about. Well, because it was the guys that had that submitted him. I was like, if you're going to lose to those guys, you're definitely going to lose to me. But it was just stuff like that. Right. But the reality is nobody else could do that. And he would beat the crap out of everybody. And hey, Ryan Bader. When he fought Ryan Bader, Ryan Bader was so scared that he shot from halfway across the octagon <laughs> just not to get punched by Rumble. Listen, dog, he was so scared that he shot from halfway across the octagon not to get punched by Rumble. And then when Rumble got on top of him, he just beat him up. It was not Ryan Bader had just beat Rashad Evans. Hmm. And Rumble beat him in like a minute because he yeah. was so scared. That's the thing. Dude, Glover Teixeira, it took 15 seconds. I know. Like, that dude has power. He hits hard, bro. He hits hard. And... By the way, I'd love to see that rematch, Rumble versus Bader. You know, that's the second most notable thing. You think Bader would fight him different this time? I think so. I think he's he's a more confident fighter. But, you know, that's the second most notable thing to happen that day in Newark. You know what number one was, right? I got that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Is that called the Beijing, by the way? Someone told me it's called oh, the Beijing. Oh, Beijing? No, they put Beijing in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful.
It was all the way down here. Bro, it's been a long time since I didn't have like eight inches between my eyebrow and my edge up. I mean, it was like three, like nine. I was like, dang, I look good. I was like at Beijing, but I knew I couldn't go on there like that. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, so, yeah, I know you're looking great these days. You know what else looks good, DC, as we uh, transition? Uh, the final UFC card of 2020. We have oh, yeah. finally made it. Who would have thought, right, back in April and May when this show started, that we'd actually make it to the end? And A, B, uh, that we would actually, like, get all the fight cards in. Like, they, they did, in the end, they ended up, you know, we haven't had a break. There has been a UFC show, by the way, every single weekend, <laughs> at least one, since July 11th. That's how That's crazy, crazy right? this run. July 11th. To December 19th, there's been at least one UFC show every week. And this card is phenomenal now. Right now, there's 15 fights on 15 the card. <laughs> Good luck to you. You're calling this one, right? It's going to be like 45 hours long. I was doing my research and I was like, I'm done. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm done. I was like, I could not believe I was done. There are 30 fighters, 30 fighters for next Saturday. But I think now at this point, right, because like you said, no fight cards have been canceled, but there was a fight card that I called where we had eight fights right, because right. It fell off because of COVID. Last week we had 10 fights because of COVID. So I think now you put more fights, and if they all stay, they stay. But if you lose a few fights, you still end up with your your 12. I mean, they lost two fights on Saturday morning, I think, last week, or Friday morning after weigh-in. So you uh I think you almost gotta add extra fights and and then um see how they hold up. Few different directions here. Wonderboy Thompson, Jeff Neal, both haven't fought this year. They fought at the end of last year. That's a huge fight at 170. Jose Aldo against Cheeto Vera, uh, Michelle Pajeda against Chaos Williams, one, Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morrow. Which one interests you the most? I, I don't know what the answer is to this. I think it starts at the main event, right? I think okay. it starts at the main event, but I think that we're right in that same situation as last weekend. And I think uh, all of them are. Our new favorite word, crossroads fights, right? Interesting. Because because if Jose Aldo yeah. loses again, right? And now what do you do with him, right? You're going to start seeing a lot of those names, those great names from the past, kind of starting to hit the door because, like Dana said, there's going to be cuts every single week. Cheeto Vera can push himself into the upper echelon of the division if he beats Jose Aldo. Um, Neil? Neil, Stephen Wonderboy, again, Wonderboy has fought for the belt a whole bunch of times. Jeff Neal's trying to go past him in order to make himself a real contender. He gets past him. Now you start wondering what's next for Wonderboy. Wonderboy's got some time, right? He's still very viable. He's still very good. He's still young. Um, you know, doesn't uh, seem like he's been on the decline for a while. Uh, but the fight that's fun, the fight that's fun, fun, Chaos Williams oh my and... God. Pajeda, Michelle Pajeda, because that's going to be madness. Because Chaos Williams, mad, looking so mad. <laughs> Chaos Williams looks so mad, bro, when he's out there. Scary. 
with Michelle Pajeda can fight in the other, the last fight that he fought. I was like, who is this dude? He wasn't flipping and jumping and doing all that crazy stuff to expend it or use all of his energy. He was just kind of in the fight doing his thing. Because you remember that one time he fought my boy Tristan, Canadian Tristan. Got, he beat up on Tristan early and Tristan just little small. Tristan kept fighting, fighting, fighting. All that flipping got him tired. He's not doing that no more. So now not only is he, he, he big and strong and physical and, and exciting, but he's a very technically good fighter. You know, right after Kevin Holland's win on Saturday, they aired a promo for this fight, right? And, and all I wrote was, I, I tweeted out, as you watch this, a reminder that Kevin Holland on the regional scene once beat Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal came after me. So, oh, why you got to be like that, Ariel? I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> First of all, it's factual. Did the fight happen though? But did the fight happen? It did. Who won? Kevin Holland. So you didn't lie? I didn't lie. So then what's the problem? Oh, why you got to be like that? Why you got to well, be a hater? Well, it's not a hater. So what you're doing is taking a guy that's in the news right now for having yeah. the knockout that Jacare Souza just had. Mentioning the guy coming up next week, right? Who's on a crazy winning streak undefeated in the UFC. All they did was fight. And you said, hey, those guys fought. That's it. Kevin How many people know that? Did you know that? It's not a knock on you. It's not a knock on you that Kevin Holland won in the regional circuit. That's not a knock. I mean, again, point to the point that sometimes guys can be sensitive. Did you know that? No. What's going on over here? What happened? Were you tired? I'm not tired, bro. I'm just like, I mean, you know. You're over here talking about the first fight. I mean, you're talking about freaking the first fight of the night. <laughs> I thought maybe you were saying you stayed up late watching the Bills and and uh, sweater, bro. It's that sweater. Know, that sweater, the Steelers, that sweater so, seems so comfortable. It, it is really great. Feel like I want to wrap myself in it and go to bed. You want to wear it on Saturday? Imagine you wore I this on the broadcast. Know. What would happen? <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day. <laughs> Anyway, I'm excited about this card. I'm excited to see good. Neil back. Neil had that great win over Mike Perry, which feels like it happened five years ago at this point. Um, Wonderboy got back on track in November of last year against Vicente Luque. Remember, oh, it looked like that. for a minute. Luque yeah, was, was on a roll too. But he hasn't fought this year because he broke his hand after that fight. Huge fight for Pettis, I think. Huge fight for Jose Aldo. Huge fight for Marlon Vera. And what about your boy, Duran? Huge Duran's fight for back him. Out there next week. Yep. But Duran's back call- out there next week. Got a tough fight. You got to call another one of his fights? Jeez. You got to call another? I I don't have a choice anymore, right? When you retire, like, you don't have the option of saying, I don't want to call my friend's fights anymore. Like, it doesn't work like that. I got a job to do, but I will be excited to be there to watch him compete. And I know that he's done the right things to this point, you know, to to prepare himself to win next weekend. Dare I say crossroads for Duran, too. It's a big fight for Duran. And I ain't going to sugarcoat it. Deron win has to win this fight or, or, you know, the UFC dream might be done. You know, you, wow. There's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of pressure on a kid like that. You know, he came into the UFC and had a fantastic performance. Um, and even in the fight, dude, he lost to, he lost to, uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Darren Stewart. It was a split decision, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like he's been ran out of the arena every time he's been in there. Fought a tough Gerald Mearshart. It's not like he's fighting bums. He's fighting good guys, and he's fighting them competitively because even in the Mearshart fight, it was one round apiece before the third round. So he's competitive. But now he's done some different things in his training to prepare himself, and he feels confident that this weekend he'll get his hand raised, as do I, uh, in regards to him winning the fight on Saturday. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. By the way, can I ask you about something? Speaking of a, a teammate, it, it, we were, we were going to get to it last week, but didn't have time. But I was just curious, you know, Habib did this press conference a few, uh, a few weeks ago, and he said that one of his goals is uh, to get MMA in the Olympics, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one would know about this process better than you, two-time Olympian. I have long believed that it will be very hard given the structure of the sport to have MMA in the Olympics. When you compare it to like Olympic boxing, it's different with the headgear and everything. Could this ever happen? Like do you ever foresee a day that we can have MMA in the Olympic games? You know, Habib and I actually talked about it the other day, just kind of talking. And I told him, you know, I said, you know, man, you know how you do it, right? You, uh, I said, if people are trying to put fighting in the Olympics, you, uh, the Olympics is 18 days. That's the extent of the competition, right? Competitive days. I think it's 18, right? Mm-hmm. 18 days? Something like that. But what you do is at the very beginning, you do the opening ceremonies. People come ready to compete. You do eight-person brackets, right, where you got three fights. You fight like PFL and the ultimate fighter. You take away the elbows. You take away all those things that can really damage someone. You can wear headgear, right? You Can, wear can you wear headgear, though? You can wear headgear. We wear headgear to spar all the time. But like guillotines and stuff, how can you do that with a headgear? That, that actually makes it easier to do. Chasing chokes is actually easier yeah. with a headgear because it's hard for the people to pull their neck. But is that out. fair then? I mean, I think you use it. If you're worried about the cuts, you use it. I don't right. think you need it. But I think that you can use, instead of the four-ounce the four gloves, there's these eight-ounce gloves that have a little bit of a more padding on the front side. Yep. You use those. You take away elbows, right? You fight at the beginning of the games. You make weight. Person that wins and goes to the semis. Five, six days later, they make weight again, plus two kilos. So you get like four pounds, Hmm. right? You fight. People that get to the finals, give them one more kilo. So now you're like six pounds overweight at the end of the game, and you fight for the gold medal. That's how you do it. That's how you spread it out and get it done. Problem is there's no real amateur system in this sport, right? So you'd have to almost like create a whole system. Like no, like people just go straight from, you know, whatever to the pros. Kayla Harrison didn't go amateur, right? Even CM Punk, for God's sakes, didn't go amateur. Very rare to see guys, especially in this day and age, who's a big time prospect. Like I can assure you, Clarissa Shields isn't going to go amateur, correct? So no, no, there is no amateur system. I mean, I guess, okay, I'll take that back. I am, I am, there is amateurs. There is amateur. It's more there's of a European amateur, thing. Right? There is a, there's even amateur fighting in the U.S., right? Javier Mendez used to do amateur shows, right? So you put those kids in instead of doing all these local amateur shows, you start trying to create an Olympic system to try to build through and get to the Olympic Games. Hey, listen, it's a very, very difficult uh, undertaking. Idea, yeah. But could, could, could work if done the correct way. Okay. I would help if he was if he if, if people were trying to get him. I would help. I would definitely try to be on the forefront of trying to help get MMA into the Olympic Games for sure. I love that. 
I love that. Uh, by the way, speaking of an Olympian, uh, shout out to Anthony Joshua, big win on yep. Saturday. Hopefully we get to see that fight against Tyson Fury in 2021. I don't care what anyone says. Boxing is on fire. Canelo, Triple G are also fighting this weekend. Fighting yep. Yeah, And you got UFC. So much going on uh, in the world of sports. And uh, I do want to mention, oh, by the way, a shout out to Bella Mir, who went 2-0, Frank Mir's daughter. Um, she's looking good. She's looking good. But I wanted to mention before we go, uh, rest in peace, to Zeus, to Debo, yeah, tiny to, Lister, to uh, tiny Lister, man, a legend. Yeah, sucks. Uh, you know, one of those situations where you just don't know. You know, you just don't know uh, what's going on in pe people's lives, and you know, the poor guy got sick a while back, and then it reared its ugly head again, and 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 he ended up passing away. Uh, scary guy. I remember when he first got he to was the so WWE, scary, I was like, oh right? my goodness. He had that thing, and he would make his eyes kind of cross. I'm like, I was like, oh, my God, who is this dude? Did you see No Holds Barred back in the day? I didn't watch. I watched a movie, too, yeah, when I was a kid. I, I mean, I watched everything wrestling, man. I loved it. When he debuted in 1989 in, in WWE or WWF at the time, looking the way he did with the eye and the Z in his head and yeah. that outfit, you remember he wore, like, the big thing, the shoulder pad? I was terrified of the guy, like, legit terrified. Seven-year-old me was legit terrified of him. And then, of course, he had a great acting career, Friday and all that, Debo. But Zeus, man, what a legend. What a legend it, that guy was. It sucks. It, I mean, this year has just been very difficult. But we're almost done. We're almost done. We put our head down and we kept plugging away and we're at the end now. Yeah. I, you know, it kind of drives me nuts when people say we're almost done because, like, what do you expect is going to happen on January 1st? Like, this is all not going to change. But you know, I appreciate like the optimism. Not, no, no, no. Listen, listen. You want to just be a killjoy? No, you I'm know, just The whole world's looking we're forward. Almost, oh, I can't wait for this year to be over. No, yeah, and it, what's going to happen? You get to it, when you get to a year where you're just getting bad news after bad news, you're like, let's turn the page. Let's just turn the page. I don't expect January 1st for all the bad news to completely stop. But, I mean, bro – in the year where in 2020 I lost Kobe Bryant at the beginning of the year and I lose uh, Tiny Lister and the rest of these people that we've lost all through the season. No, of course. Through the year done. It's like, man, can we turn the page and get to something new? That's it. Well, uh, that is a great segue to remind everyone that we have one show left. Wait, no. Yeah. Why? That's it. We're, we're doing one more show on December 21st. And then we'll have a couple weeks off and we will return on January 11th. There will be a Helwani Nose Award show on January 6th. More on that later. But as far as DC and Helwani, the show that was born. <laughs> the time that they had for us to do our show, you're like, can I just do my award show? I mean, Listen, the, 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 the about, you got to admit. The, the way you are. You, you, no, you. I said, I said on my show on Mondays that this guy and this guy's great at what. And you know how many texts I got about that? Man, DC can't even say our show. He can't even say DC and I want it. You know how many texts I got about that? Yeah, he got so many texts. But we'll have plenty of time to talk you about this. Did. Hey, but how about you doing shows with everybody? I mean, I can't. <laughs> I turn away. You're on You're on a show with Marundi. Then I turn and look out of way. You're on the show with Chill. Then I look and you're doing a post-fight show with Brett. I'm like, oh, so I can't even look away for one second because you're running around with everybody. You're the pretty girl at the prom that just wants to take all the dates. Listen, uh, some people, are, they're starting to call me side piece Hawani over here. Yeah, like, you really are. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody. You go out to Vegas and you have a great time with your like, friends. I'm your side piece. Because all I'm, I am, I'm hey, the first phone call after you forget all about me. I haven't even met your family. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Dale has. <laughs> 
Oh my God, this is great stuff. Anyway, DC, we're out of time. Everyone, thank you so much for supporting us. Continue to rate, download, subscribe, review, all those things and more. We'll do it one more time next week, at least for this year. And then we'll be back two weeks later. Like we talked about this long break. It's like a two week break. Everyone calm down. Anyway, back next week, same time and place. Until then we say peace. We're out of here.